All right. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Welcome to Iron Men Connect. Hey, Jason. We're so glad that you're here today. I got a couple announcement type stuff that I'm going to kind of go through before uh, Scott Michael, you're going to be introducing this morning's speaker, right? Yes, I'm excited about that. I'm going to touch on just a couple things, and then I'm going to pass the mic over to you, okay? Guys, our very first Ironman conference is live. Registration is live. How many of you guys have registered for our Forging Your Faith conference with Lee Strobel on August 21st yet? Obviously, you have a little bit of time to do that, but we are live, and we all need to be inviting men to this conference. We're believing for a 1,000 men to join us on August 21st at Real Life in Claremont with Lee Strobel. On every one of your tables, I put this little invitational card, informational card on your table. We have plenty more of these guys. I just put a, a small stack on each table, and that's for you to take. That's for you to hand out, whether it's at your place of work, whether it's to a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend. We don't want to be stuck with any of these cards come August. We're hoping that these cards will make it out of our Ironman office, out of our trunks, and into your hands and into the hands of other men that should be joining us on August 21st. So I want to encourage you and charge you and challenge you with that. If you don't already have a role and you're not already participating with us in this conference, I'm asking you, would you participate with us in that way of inviting other men, whether it's at your church or wherever it may be, that you could help us get the word out for this conference. And teaching fellows and table captains, I sent out an email just a few days ago about a special meeting, a leaders gathering that we're having here on May 29th. And I sent in that email, not only an invitation for you to join us at that gathering, but I also attached a form to that email with information about this gathering. We're wanting other men in West Orange County that are also leading other men to join us at this leaders gathering on May 29th, at the end of this month. We don't have much time to get the word out for this meeting. So table captains, teaching fellows, if you received my email, I'm asking, would you take a few minutes today, if you have not already, and help get that form, help get that invitation for this leaders gathering out to other men that you know of in our city that are also leading other men. It can be men's pastors, but it's not only limited to just men's pastors. If you know of a guy that is pouring into a handful of other men regularly and intentionally, and you see that this guy leads other guys, invite him. We want him to be here with us on May 29th as we cast vision to get a thousand men with us come August. So if you guys could do that, if we could have a team effort in doing that, I, I think that come August, we, we should have over a thousand guys that are with us on August 21st. So with that being said, I'm really excited for this morning. I'm going to invite Scott Michael up and he's going to introduce this morning's teaching fellow and he's going to pray for us. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Vine, for all you do. Yeah, I have a great opportunity to introduce our table captain. And this guy, number one, knows what he's doing. So last week, we got to hear a Georgia Tech guy talk to us about science. This week, we got David, who's a, an engineer at Lockheed, talk to us about science. Next week, we have an accountant. I have no idea what that's going to look like. But so far, these two weeks are going to be phenomenal. The thing that I love about Dave, number one, he's a servant. He has a servant's heart. And he's known 
total brokenness. For any guys in this room, we know that that is a, an amazing space to come through. And when you feel the hand of God come alongside you in the, in the body of, of Christ and other men come alongside you and restore you back up, it's an awesome experience. And Dave knows that. So today he's going to be talking right in his wheelhouse about a bunch of science stuff. But know this, this guy has been loved very well by our Savior those are my favorite stories when he tells us that. But let me tell you what's really cool about him is he's been blessed to have been married for 26 years. He's a proud father of a son and a daughter. His son is in college and daughter's graduating high school in 10 days. Now, is that still 10 days or did that get shorter? Uh, look at, see, that's an engineer. He knew I was going to be reading this today. He did the math for me. Thank you. All right. Lived in Central Florida since he was five. He's a leader of the Redeem Table and Coffee Table. And we'll do a little shameless plug that uh, it's a really good table to belong to if you've not found a home. First timers. And he's a member of Mosaic Church. And I'll tell you what, he's a dear friend. And I'm very, very excited to get to introduce Dave Greenfield today. But we're going to pray first, because even though I'm pretty confident that he's going to do a great job, we really should get the Lord involved here, all right? So that's just, we're just going to tie this together. All right. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Lord. Thank you so much for being a God of relationships and calling us into relationship. Thank you for this body of believers that we get to participate with every week. And Lord, we just thank you so much for Dave. We pray you would just bless him. Bless his words, Lord. Use him as he, as you have been preparing him for this moment. And Lord, just prepare all of our hearts as we hear what Dave has to say to see beyond just the facts and see the beauty of who you are and what you've created all around us. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for all these things. Thank you, Lord, most of all for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that nice introduction. So good morning, men. Class is now in session. This month's topic is, is there scientific evidence for God? Today I'm going to share with you two of my aha moments from college. And what I'm defining as an aha moment, it's a moment when I recognize the fingerprints of a higher power, God, at work. And sandwiched in between that, I've got a Bible passage. Sound good? All right, let's get started. My first aha moment came in modern physics class, and I learned that absolute motion cannot be detected. Again, absolute motion cannot be detected. Now, it's best explained through an example. You know how you're flying in a plane, and you're at cruising speed, you're at cruising altitude, you're constant speed, no turbulence, and that's when the captain turns on the, turns off, rather, the seatbelt sign. So you're free to move up and down the aisle. Now, in that scenario, if we shut all the shades of the windows, you wouldn't know if you were walking down the aisle of a plane that's at a dead stop on the ground or a plane that's flying 36,000 feet over 500 miles an hour. It's the absence of a reference, which is sight, acceleration, deceleration, is what makes it impossible to tell whether you're moving or not. So that's pretty impressive. But at a global level, it's mind-blowing. As you sit here and I stand here, Orlando is traveling at 900 miles per hour around the Earth's axis. Yeah. Because the Earth, oceans, and atmosphere are all moving at the same constant speed, we can't detect it. The only references we have are out in space, stars, sun, etc. But if we didn't have those, we'd have no idea if the planet was at a standstill or moving at a really fast pace. Hence, nobody's wearing seatbelts today in <laughs> Iron Man. Clearly, a planet spinning as fast as ours does, and we don't know it. We don't even recognize it. 
is an amazing thing. But don't forget, we also happen to be a planet that is revolving, orbiting around the sun at a cool 67,000 miles an hour. And then on top of that, our whole solar system is moving at 448,000 miles an hour within the Milky Way. Again, because we're moving at constant speeds, we don't feel this incredible motion. To me, this screams intelligent design or divine design, where the interplay of forces and inertia had to be governed by laws long before the founding of the universe. So that was my first aha moment. Just because I can't feel the Earth moving at ridiculous speeds doesn't mean that it's not being guided under the watchful eye of a heavenly pilot. Now I'd like to transition to my Bible passage, and this is from Job. And we're going to cover Job in the uh, first question. This is from my favorite chapter, chapter 38 in Job. It's when God tells Job and his friends, I've heard you. Now you're going to hear me. And I like it because God is being poetic about himself as he's asking a, a series of rhetorical questions. So I start with Job 38, verse 33. Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Again, this speaks to you had to have a plan. There's a saying, you don't design and build your landing gear while you're flying the plane. It's too late. If you don't have rules and laws set up ahead of time to create a universe and then maintain that universe, you're in big trouble. Now I'm going to segue to my next topic and next Bible passage here, Job 38, 28 through 30. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. This takes me to my second aha moment from my material properties class. Now, I brought a prop, and it's barely hanging on here. I have in my hand water in its liquid phase and water in its solid state. See what's happening? This should not happen. This absolutely should not happen. It's illogical and it's counterintuitive. There's no way a solid state should be lighter than a liquid state. Now, you may say everybody knows that ice expands, but I submit to you that we know that because we've been conditioned to believe it. Perhaps your story went something like this. It's a hot summer, you're young, you're out playing with your friends, your mom comes back from the grocery, she brings a six pack of lukewarm Coca-Cola bottles, and you get the brilliant idea, if I just take one of those bottles and stick it in the freezer, I could super chill it, and I could come back in an hour after playing, and it's gonna be amazing. So that's what you do. You take that Coke bottle, you stick it in the freezer, and you go outside and play. Well, as you can figure out, one hour turns into two, two turns into four, so that by evening time, you remember the Coke bottle in the freezer, and you get this huge grin because you realize that by this time, your Coke is not at super chilled level. It's probably at Coke Slurpee level, which is way better than super chilled Coke, as everyone knows. And then, so, thinking that in your mind, you race home. You throw your bike down on the driveway. You run into the door. You fling open the freezer door, only to find glass shrapnel from an exploded Coke bottle. And your angry mom or dad saying, don't you know, ice expands. Now, when you first learned this, did you not feel dirty? Was there not something in your gut saying, ah, oh, somebody's lying to me. This can't be right. But there you had the proof, the broken glass right in front of you. Why does water expand as it turns to ice? Well, for my material properties class, you have to go down to the molecular level. And so we'll get your handouts and go to the picture page. That's right, picture pages. So you've got to go to the molecular level. So the first picture shows H2O, two hydrogens, one oxygen. On paper, this is a balanced molecule charge-wise. 
However, if you notice those two hydrogens, they're not on opposite sides of each other, not left and right. They're specifically placed close to each other, and that is important, and we'll talk to that later. But what that does is it turns the balanced molecule into a polar molecule, which means it wants to bond with neighboring molecules. This creates a power struggle between the kinetic energy of water molecules and the attractive forces of the hydrogen bonding. In simple terms, kinetic energy can be related to the temperature. So if we're boiling water, we've applied enough temperature and heat that the water molecules have enough kinetic energy or resonance that they can overcome the urge to bond to neighboring molecules. However, as we cool the water, their kinetic energy drops. As water cools to its liquid state, we'll go to the second picture, the hydrogen bonds are more linear, flat, so you get a kind of a layered effect as they're breaking and forming and re-breaking and forming as they pass by each other. So as we continue to cool liquid water, it's actually contracting. If you didn't realize it, it's actually contracting all the way down to four degrees Celsius or 39.2 Fahrenheit. At that point, something crazy happens. It's as if a switch has been flipped. The bonding scheme, that flat layered scheme, has now turned and gone big time. It's gone 3D, which is your bottom picture there. So it's expanded and it's made hexagonal shaped structures, which are brought forth by the side or the way that those two hydrogen atoms are put together. So it goes big time and we call that a 3D lattice. Now that lattice, as you can see, is an expansion and that expansion provides room for air pockets to form. And so air pockets start to add up to the tune of when you expand ice, it expands 9% of volume. So that's what broke the Coke bottle. So why does the fact that ice floats matter? Anybody been ice fishing? Because it's got the air in it and because it's floating, that ice provides an insulator to the fish and aquatic life underneath. It also has enough heat capacitance so that when the seasons change, it slowly melts. So it protects the fish and wildlife underneath from sudden temperature shock. Now, let's reverse it. What if ice didn't float and it sank in the water? It would be growing from the bottom up in your lake, in your stream, whatever. And so the fish would be elevated each time the ice accumulates. And so as they keep getting elevated, now they're exposed to the harsh temperatures and they die and they're never coming back. Then you flip it and go to the aquatic life on the bottom, the plants, the snails, etc. They're meanwhile getting crushed by the heavy ice and frozen. So you're creating dead lakes. This was my second aha moment. This quirk of nature was no accident. It was deliberate engineering at the atomic level. And while the expansion of ice may thwart our desire to super chill our beverages, it's clear that life on Earth greatly depends on the strange property of water. In conclusion, as Josh mentioned last week, science screams of a master builder with a breadth of skills as expansive as the universe and as finite as a single atom. I think you'll agree, only God can do that. Class dismissed. He has a uh, he has a sweat towel this morning. And did you sweat while you were teaching? It's for this. Oh, it's for that. Okay. He just wiped the mic off for me. Uh, Jim. So very intriguing. Now you talked about water. How does it work with other liquids? It's hydrogen. That's the key. It doesn't do that in other liquids. But there's three, including water. There's three hydrogen versions that I'm aware of that do that. So when we look at water, really, it is a miracle because it's contrarian to everything else that you would think would be by nature. It's going the other way. Exactly. That's that dirty feeling you get in your gut because you're like, what happened? Thank you so much, Dave. Really appreciate you and the time that you put into this morning. That was very encouraging. You're a great communicator, by the way.
I feel like you took something really complicated and you were able to communicate it. And even though you used some words that I didn't know what they were, I still got what you were saying. I'm very impressed by how you took that big idea and fit it into, you know, 10 minutes. Dave also, he crafted three questions for us this morning that I sent out to you guys last night. So we're going to spend the rest of this morning at our tables together talking around those questions. So table captains, uh, the floor is yours. (laughs) 